I love the prayers that just lit up on Slack. I love the sense of prayer drawing us together in intimacy because that's really what does happen. We get drawn together in intimacy so that we're able to know what to pray for each other about. And God truly does build his church that way, where we are healed together. And so today we, uh, we, we just continue that. And all throughout the message today, please feel free to continue to use Slack, engage with questions or comments or, you know, jokes or whatever, because I don't, I'm not very funny, but, you know, sometimes you guys are. So help, us, help the message along. Um, it's, uh, it's definitely a lot of fun. And those of you at home, that's definitely welcome as well. Um, we're going to take up our offering now because that's just what we do. And uh, today, if, you, if you're joining with us in this mission of Promise Church, which is to reach this community by foreshadowing the fulfillment of God's promises. I mean, that's a mouthful, but when you really break it down, it's, it's by showing the world what God's promises look like when they're fulfilled. And we can't do it in whole, but we can do it in part. And so um, that's what we're doing. And if you're partnering with that, if you're saying, God, I'm giving, I'm giving to this mission, then, then bless you in that. The way you give is promisechurch.community, the green tab, which is, the, um, which is a, our giving tab. Make sure you use the drop-down menu uh, for Promise Church so that the funds get designated the right place. We are still under the governance of Willowdale Pentecostal Church, and we're so grateful to them as our sponsoring church um, for the next couple of months, January 1st, we're becoming our own uh, entity that's governed by our own board under the PAOC. So that's a very exciting step for the church, um, but that's where that's happening. Let me pray about the offering and then pray into the final message in this series. Lord, we thank you that you are healing your church, that, you, that your church brings healing, that it's, that it's built from the ground up, that it's built from being God-focused and being people-focused and being experience-oriented um, and, and allowing us to, to speak our experiences. Jesus, I pray that today, that as we wrap up this series, that, that I know it's been challenging for some of us, that the content has been hard, but then I also know that it is good that you dream of bringing healing into the church and you bring healing into us and into our experience together with you and with each other. Jesus, I pray that you would continue to guide my words, that they would be more so your words than mine, and that you would speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So thank you very much for, for being a part of that. And uh, yeah, so our past sermons have been talking, they've been a little challenging, you know, because we've been pushing hard on how God brings healing in his church and through his church. And, you know, that's a, that's a challenging thing because he calls us to participate in it. He calls us, and we talked a lot about loving each other. And so... That's been challenging because it's like, well, what, to what degree? And we've had lots of questions about that. And next week is our forum Sunday. So we're going to really dive into that and how we express that. But today, we're going to step on the, on the fourth part of how God brings healing, not just to our church, but to our larger community around us. And um, so again, we've been God-facing because that is, it's, it's God who is the source of all of our mission. It's God who is the source of all of our hope, of all of our future. It's God's work who is at the center of everything we do. 
But we're also people-focused because God, in his wisdom, focuses on people, his loved creation. And so he calls us to also focus on people. And so we're God-focused. Because of that, we're people-focused. We are not just people-focused. We have to reflect God's focus on them. And then last week, we talked about an experiencing church. So we're always participating. And it's not just a, a bystander event, but it's something you're drawn into, something where we, where we discuss, something that we engage with. And we use Slack for that, and we use all kinds of other mechanisms for that. But today, we're talking about the necessity for testimony. The necessity for testimony. And we'll explain all what that means, but that's just where we're starting. Um, a church that values the individual's voice and, and promotes the testimony of God's working. I even see it already here on, here on our Slack channel. Somebody says that, you know, the week before Awana, uh, their son prayed for a cousin, not knowing that he was sick in the hospital. But when, when the mom picked her up, he said, I chose to pray for my cousin. And the mom told, told him, well, I just found out that he was in the hospital. It's amazing how God put it in his heart to pray for him. That is a testimony of God's voice speaking to a child. It's like, oh, I should be praying for this person. And then you find out, well, that person was in more need than you ever knew. And, and that's, that's a testimony of God's voice. And so, so as a church, we need to create space for those stories, those testimonies, and we'll get into why. Our, our uh, text today is Revelation 12, 10, and 11. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers, that is the enemy, has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, the work of Jesus, and the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. They overcame the enemy, the, the, the personification of evil, the one that is against God, the accuser, the one that points out all of your flaws. They, they overcame the enemy because of the blood of Jesus, which the church does really, really good at talking about the blood of Jesus and Jesus on the cross. But the second ingredient I don't hear very often, the word of their testimony the word of their testimony. A healing church develops a testimony. Well, that's Christianese, kind of, but not really. So what's a testimony? Uh, a few years ago, I was working uh, to put myself through my master's degree. I was sorting apples. It was a great job. Um, I, I would pick up apples that were on a conveyor belt. I would check for rot, and I would put them in a bushel. And then I would pick up apples, and then I would put them in a bushel. And I did that for a whole bunch of hours. I was an apple sorter. And it was mind-numbing and somewhat fulfilling because then you get a bushel and then you put it there and then you've got a wall of bushels of like 10,000 apples and you're like, I did that. <laughs> so I was going to work. Oh, I should tell you the shifts I work. Because the apples needed to get down to 
the, um, down to the grocery store depot before stores opened, the, they needed to be ready for sale down in Etobicoke for 4 a.m., which means we would often start work at, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning. And so we're just sorting apples 2 o'clock in the morning until about 11 o'clock in the morning. Then you've got your work day done. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm going to work, and on my way to work, there's a hydro pole, well, a, a, uh, a, a traffic light pole, and it's down. And just really, really peculiar. It's not a busy intersection at all, and there's a traffic pole down. The weather is perfect. And I'm like, ooh, that's not normal. Drive around all the shards of green and red broken glass on the road and keep on driving. And about a kilometer and a half down the road, there's a GMC Denali on the side, I think I said that right, on the side of the road. And the whole front end is mashed up. And I'm like, hmm, I know what's going on here. That truck and that traffic light were connected at one point. But there's no driver. Actually, that's not true. There was a person there who was not in the driver's seat, who was, uh, who was clearly intoxicated um, in the, like, looking and scrambling through the back seat of something. And I pull over and I asked him if he needed help, and he didn't make a lot of sense, but he told me that he was going to fix the front of his car. And I was like, wow, what happened? He's like, I hit a deer. I'm like, there's no deer here, sir. And he's like, oh, no, no, it ran away. Your car is a write-off. It did not run away. Anyways, I quickly called 911 as I drove away. And uh, the police came by and found him camping in a bush, you know, 800 meters off the road. And uh, they arrested him for drunk driving. And that was, um, that, was, that was the experience. But then, a couple months later, I got a call. We need you to show up and give a testimony of what you saw which is what I just did right now. I gave a testimony, but I did it in a courtroom. Sadly for that person, that testimony was rather damning, and he was charged and found guilty for driving under the influence. And so the consequences came. A testimony is when you tell the honest truth of what happened. And so we are... We are telling the honest truth of what happened. And so a healing church develops a testimony, a story, the honest truth of what God has done. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. It was something that happened in the history, in their history that affects their life, and something that happened now. This happened. And so we have testimonies that are, are continuing to happen where we know that God is at work. See, the multitudes, us, we have a voice that affirms our faith. And this ingredient is lost inside the church and the way we structure so often because we often come to church and we don't have a voice. We don't get to tell people what God has done. We used to sing a song in the 90s, look what the Lord has done. And it was really, really hokey. But, but it was like, look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He changed my mind. And he saved me just in time. And it's like really like a crazy song. But, 
But that was just a generic testimony. When do we get to tell our story that says, God has affected my life? And it's important because to do that, when we do that, it overcomes the accuser. See, I might stand guilty of something. I might be guilty as charged, but God has affected my life. Anyone else here? Anyone else here be able to say, I am guilty as charged. There is an accusation against me, but God has affected my life. God has stepped in and done something. And so when we do that, we give testimony. You know, I, I recall having a testimony service. It was an impromptu testimony service because our technology failed us. And so we, we had this, this service where people were telling of things that God has done. And honestly, it was one of my favorite services we've ever done. Because we're telling stories and it's just people coming up and saying, God's done this for me and God's done that for me and God moved in this way. And, and I felt my own faith. I'm a, I'm a full-time minister. I felt my own faith be lifted up, be encouraged, be like, no, I know exactly why I'm here. I understand again that God is doing something. And so this is what we do in our congregational setting. We have Slack, and I see it lighting up right now with people saying, this is what's happened, you know? Or, or people saying, I need a prayer. I need people to pray for me because that's what we just went through. We see lots of prayer requests. Well, guess what? God answers prayer. And so it is our Christian duty to not just pray for people, but then go to the channel God will provide and give the testimony of the answer. Because every single time you hear a prayer request, that gets heavy again and again and again. We're hearing prayer request after prayer request, putting them out into the abyss, and we don't know if anything's happening. And then finally, we're hearing response. Prayer, response. Request, testimony. So two reasons the healing church needs testimony. Revelation 7, 9 to 12 says, after this I looked and behold a great multitude so that nobody could number from every tribe and nation, all people in all languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb and to all the angels. They were standing around the throne, around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God, saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. We need testimony so that we understand inclusion. We're inclusion, we're included into the community and having a voice in the community. Your testimony is part of your voice. I'm a part of this. When I give my story, how did God touch my life? How did God bring healing in my life? How did God act? Salvation belongs to our God. What did that look like for you? What does salvation look like for you on an ongoing basis? Not just as a historic thing. Oh yeah, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. No. Right now, what does salvation look like for you? What's the story of what God is doing in your life? See, Christianity is not just an ancient faith stuck in history. It's a today faith stuck in our lives. And too often, we just 
don't tell the stories of it. And then it gets really hard to believe. It's so abstract. What do you mean? A God comes and did something a long time ago, and that's supposed to affect me somehow now. Well, the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. So it's inclusion. This is your voice. You get to speak to it. It's verification. One of the grave dangers of the church is to bury the truth of Jesus in a historical only Jesus. And we're not allowing the resurrected Jesus to act right now. We often shut down the current stories of God's action and only speak of the stories of God's biblical action. Thousands of years ago, God did this for Israel. Thousands of years ago, God did this for, for other people way back then. But today is different. God doesn't do that. What? what? God still acts today. God still lives. God still breathes. God still works in our lives today. But we've shut down the stories. And we can't shut down the stories. The fact is, God's action vindicates. It makes, it makes it have weight. It makes our testimony have weight. His action makes our story, our invitation of the gospel have weight. So Jesus loves you, and he wants to invite you into his promise. And let me tell you what he's done in my life. That's the way we share the gospel. It's not starts off with an abstract idea, which is followed by a second abstract idea and a third abstract idea, something about Jesus' way in the history. It's here is a person, Jesus. He died on a cross, rose again so that I could be in relationship with God. And that relationship with God in my life has radically altered the trajectory of my life. I have been changed. I am the testimony of God's present day action. And that becomes a place where we can now boldly proclaim when I was in high school, I used to tell tons of people about Jesus. And it's because I was surrounded by tons of people who didn't know Jesus. And so I would just tell people about Jesus and tell people about Jesus. And they would say, oh, but you're God. <clears throat> I can't believe in your God because they give me some like trumped up philosophical argument. And every single time, you know what beat those trumped up superficial arguments? Yeah, but I was at church the other day. And I was praying for you, and God, God put these words on my heart. And I spoke God's word into their life, and they were like, how did you know that? How were you able to speak like that? How did you know what I was doing in that point? How did you know what I was struggling with? Wow. So the experience, the testimony, the moment of action is not in the past. It is right now, affirmed we're affirming God's past action, but it's seen present in us. That's why we're the body of Christ. It's self-verifying. God's actions self-verifying. It means that God's actions are always consistent with his previous actions. Always consistent. God is healing. Always consistent. God is loving. He is always doing that. God is gracious. He is always gracious. He is faithful. He is always faithful. His actions are always working through that. So it's self-verifying. 
might be unique in your situation, but they're always moving you in the same direction of God's mission. So when we gather together, we need to tell our stories. When we gather together, we need to tell our stories. We need to confirm our experiences. It's being said that Christianity is a self-correcting faith. And it's, it's when our stories corroborate our theology. Corroborate? Corroborate, sorry. Our theology. Our stories come in and they say, yeah, I don't only believe this in an abstract way, I believe it in an experiential way. So, <clears throat> this is actually a really good point. Someone says that prayer is not self-directed a lot of time. It's important to keep open to the to the Spirit of God speaking. And so this is what we do. We need to share our stories and, and, and keep open to what the Holy Spirit is saying, even as you speak. And so our stories help verify. And our theology becomes, becomes understood more clearly as the stories start to come out. So... What we need to do with this is our stories, they create expectation. And I'm almost done here because this is, this is uh, it, it's just a really important place here where, where our stories create expectation. The church lost expectation of what God was going to do. And at promise, we have great expectation of what God will do. We have great expectation because we have stories that are backing it up. Stories that are saying, yeah, God has set me free from this addiction. God has delivered me from this, you know, um, mood thing that would happen. God has done this in my life. So we create expectation. See, Jesus was a man who lived. I'm going to go back to the history. He was a man who lived, but he was only recognized for what he was because of stories in the past that created expectation of Jesus as a Messiah. There are stories that were, that were set way back that made it so that we were like, oh, we're expecting a Messiah to come. And we're going to talk about that in our Christmas sermon series. We're expecting a Messiah to come. That wasn't always in Jewish history. That wasn't always in Israel's, you know, foundational, uh, in, in the foundational writings of Torah. The idea of a Messiah coming as a person, God coming as a person to redeem Israel, that wasn't there. That developed as the stories developed. And then they came to an expectation that a Messiah was going to come. And Jesus was recognized. Our stories create expectations. Our testimony creates expectation. So if we don't participate in telling testimonies, if we don't participate in this, if we don't give voice to it, the church is in danger of dying. Someone just wrote this really good point. We need to make sure that God is the hero of our stories because he really is. My good testimony is experiencing his faithfulness in every circumstance. Absolutely, we have to focus on what the testimony is of. We're focusing that the testimony is of God's action. God isn't just historic, God is working now. So a dead faith 
is one that has no current stories. A dead faith is one that has no current testimony. And so, this is where we go. I know that Jesus is the Savior of the world because when my life was falling apart, God let me know what he was going to do. It, was, it wasn't very nice or pleasant. He said, I'm going to rip your life down to the most basic core. I'm going to take the rug right out from under you, and you are going to drop like you've never dropped below before. And you are going to experience challenge and hardship like you've never done that before. And I was like, Pfft. and God said, you know, and, and maybe you've heard this before, but God asked me, do you trust me? And I was like, uh, no, not with a promise like that. And then God said, and then I will rebuild you. God's action is always, always consistent with his previous action. And this is, God has done this before, so why not do it in me? And so I was like, oh no. And God ripped my life down. God ripped my life down. And so he told me that he's going to rip my life down. And then he did rip my life down. He told me, I'm going to build you back up. And literally, the next day, my life took a dramatic turn back up. And order started coming back into my life with nothing that I did. I kept on doing the exact same thing throughout the entire experience. And God told me, and then it happened. And so what we have is we have that order of things. We have to have the faith to say that, my, that our God is active. And we have to be telling the stories. Because when we do that, we communicate the truth that God is at work. He is living today. The Holy Spirit is working inside of us. And we increase faith. And the more we increase faith, the more things change. The more we increase faith, the more we say as a community, God has done this and God has done that and God has done this and God has done that, then, I, then someone comes in and says, well, if God has done that for this person, this person, this person, this person, this person, God is going to do that for me. And guess what? It's on God to be faithful. Not on me. It's on God to be faithful. And so I will always encourage people to put all of their faith in God. So when you consciously pray to God, I believe that Jesus is Lord and he died and rose again and is returning to make all things right, you're making a statement of trusting God. And God will lead you into a space where your life is reformed and new habits are formed and you have something worth living for. And that becomes your testimony. So I encourage you to share them. I encourage you to share them. Well, there is a testimony that on Slack someone just said, and I think it's funny, so it's a good way to close. God told me that I'm going to marry, insert name. Good luck with that. <laughs> Let me pray. <laughs> God, I pray for, I pray for us as we, as we grapple with what does it mean to tell our story? We want to be sensitive to the people that might not have the same experience as us, but at the same time, we cannot be silent about what you have done in our life.
We cannot, we cannot be silent because your word said they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And when we are silent for fear that God might not do the same for somebody else, We set ourselves up as part of the obstacle. And so, Jesus, I pray that we would take confidence in your work that you have done in our life, that we would speak of it boldly, that we would tell of it when we are in the grocery store, that we would tell of it when we were sitting down to eat, that we will tell of it when we are sitting at church and in the foyer after church. God, that we will speak of your testimony because that's the truth that we have. That's what you've done. And so, Jesus, I pray that we would be released as a congregation to speak boldly of what you've done, to put our, our story, our experience into the lens of your action and tell of that. And Jesus, you're the one who's faithful. And so for all those people that haven't had the same experience that we've had, God, give them the same experience. Give them hope. Give them peace. Give them healing. Bring them to life and light because that's your work, not ours. And so Jesus, we pray that we would be faithful with our testimony, that we would be faithful with our faith that is alive and experiencing, and that you would be faithful in bringing that experience to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being a part of Promise Church and for being part of the community. I pray that you will be blessed this week and remember to see what God has done in your life. God bless you.